0: what is up everybody my name is matt cordova i'm the senior pastor here at the river and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast now before the message starts there's three things that we would love for you to do one we would love for you to share it two we would love for you to subscribe and three we would love for you to go and rate it so the message is about to begin i hope it encourages you and i hope that you know that god has a plan for your life and there's a prayer that I want to kind of let you into as we get into this. You know, for some, I believe that God will will show you his love, his goodness, and his grace. Today may be a day of new life for some people, but for some of us, this may be a day to rekindle the flame that's inside of us. You remember, I love watching teenagers get saved because they come back and they're like, listen, I'm going to save the whole town, I'm going to save the whole state, everybody coming to church, Right? And it's like somewhere down the road that that disappears, that fire inside of us disappears because life happens, kids happen, this event, that event. No, God is still the king of kings. He's still sitting on the throne, and he's still changing lives today. And that's what I'm believing is that there would be a fire inside of us that would reignite to let us know I'm not just supposed to wake up, make it through the day, make it to tomorrow. I'm gonna wake up, live life on purpose, point people to the King of Three Kings who gives hope, who gives life, who gives faith, who restores, who heals, and who is still moving today. Anybody believe in that Jesus this morning? I've had a lot of caffeine, okay? Two cups this morning. If you got a Bible, open it up to Exodus chapter 32. We're starting verse 30. Let me give you some background information. Exodus is a great great book. Um, The name Exodus means mass exit, right? So this is kind of interesting because the name of Exodus actually is an encouraging word to us because Israel is oppressed. They're enslaved for 400 years. And what does God do? He gives them a mass exodus or a mass exit from oppression. Some of us need to hear that today, is that you may be feel trapped, enslaved right where you are, but if we continue to pursue God and chase him, God will give us a mass exit out of our situation. We believe that. So Israel has been in in Egypt for 400 years. God saves them, and he takes them to a place that he wants to meet with them. right? And in this, on their journey there, they're going to go through some tests. They're going to fail. And then God's going to make a covenant with them. And shortly after making a covenant, they're going to break the first two commandments. Like immediately, bam, done, did, messed up. It happens. And this is where our story picks up. Verse 30 says, the following day, Moses said to the people, you've committed a grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and he said, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Now, if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you've written. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk from this place today. I want to talk about standing in the gap. Standing in the gap. Everybody turn to neighbor and say, he stood in the gap. He stood in the gap. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for standing in the gap. We thank you that in you that there's still life, hope, joy, healing, and peace. God and I pray that Your Spirit would move and release that this morning. God, we love You. It's in Your name we pray. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. So, one of the most like honorable things that I've ever seen is somebody taking the blame for something that they didn't do. You know what I mean? Uh, If you didn't know, when I first started in ministry, I started out as a youth pastor. In fact the last group of kids are seniors now you know i mean that was kind of how old if it dates how, how long ago it's been since i've been a youth pastor but uh my office if you've been at the south end of our building where the youth room is there's an office next to it right i used to call it cambodia Because everybody else's office down here, and it was like they put the youth pastor way at the farthest end of the building. I don't know if I smelled bad, talked a whole bunch, whatever it was. They put me down there. They were up here. It was not cool, okay? But I can't tell you how many times, like, we would be in the youth room. I'd have my youth door open, and you'd hear this loud, like, bang. Anybody have kids at home? You know what I'm talking about, right? Kids are playing. All of a sudden, you hear something. It sounds like something broke in the room. Or what would happen is you'd hear a kid yell and say something that you know that they shouldn't have been saying. So you walk out of the room and you're like, hey, who did that? Who, what happened, first of all, and who's the one responsible for it? And it's funny because it goes from chaos to silence like this. You know what I mean? Nobody says anything. No, they don't even look at the person who did it because that would be them ratting that person out. So all of a sudden it goes from loud, chaotic, people yelling, doing all this other stuff, jumping, crawling on the ceiling, all this other stuff, to not doing anything at all. It's dead silent. And then all of a sudden... Somebody, we, I, Pastor Matt, it was me. All right, man, come meet with me in my office. So we go in my office. And I'm like, why would you do that? And some of the times it wasn't that person. They'd be like, listen, I didn't really do it. And in my mind, I'm like, well, why did you own up to it? Right? Why, why did you step up? He's like, well, because I knew the person who did wasn't going to step up. They weren't going to own it. And if, 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 you, if I didn't step up and own it, then we were just going to sit there quiet and nothing was going to happen. So, so, so this kid was willing to take the blame for something that they didn't do. Think about it. Like at work, all of us work at places. How many times have you got your butt chewed because somebody else did something or dropped the ball and you just took the ownership for it? You know what I mean? We've all been there, right? Where you kind of To me, it's one of the most honorable things that somebody could do is step in and take ownership for something that they didn't do wrong. And we're about to watch Moses do this, right? So here's how the story goes, right? Uh, Israel has been slaves for 400 years. God sets them free, and He wants to meet with them. Listen, that is a good word for all of us because if you remember your story before you said yes to Jesus, we were all trapped in something, and God set us free. And His immediate response was, He wants to meet with us right where we are, right. So He wants to meet with them. They start journeying this way. They get to the mountain, and God goes up to or Moses goes up to this mountain. Uh, to to meet with God for 40 days and 40 nights, right? They can see God. God, is he's kind of showed himself. They were all supposed to go up the mountain, but they were afraid. God showed up in a big dark cloud, lightning bolts, and they're terrified, right? At the base of the mountain, Moses has a brother named Aaron. Aaron's the high priest. So the people, this is crazy. The people go, Aaron, make us a God that we can celebrate who delivered us from Egypt, like you just saw the God who delivered you from Egypt. You know what I mean this God had set you free? Not only that, one of the things that we need to understand is God's heart has always been to dwell with people. You mean know, have you ever thought about that? Like God wants to be where you are. You don't believe Adam and Eve, God walked with them where? In the garden, right? He he has conversations with Abraham. He starts working through that family. You get to Exodus and he travels. He leads them with a pillar of fire by day or a pillar of smoke by day, pillar of fire by night. Then he gives them the tabernacle, right? Which was the presence of God right where they were. Then the temple. And then Jesus comes on the scene, dies on the cross. And guess what? His Holy Spirit's inside of you. Where's the presence of God always been? With humanity, What does that mean? It doesn't matter what mountaintop you're on or what valley you're in, God is with you right where you are. David said it. This was pre-Jesus. It doesn't, I can go to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Wherever I am, you beat me there. Listen, you can't outrun God. I don't care how fast you run or if you do run. Right? You can't outrun God. God's heart has always been to be with His people. So God takes them to this mountain, He wants to meet with them. Right? And, and Aaron builds this golden calf, and the people start celebrating him. Here's the crazy part they can literally see God on the mountain. Yeah. So they made this false God worship this false God for doing what God did, but they could still see God on the mountain. So, can you imagine how God feels? God gets ticked. He's like, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I'm mad. You can't see it. You're up here with me, but I can see them. they got a golden calf down there. They're singing, dancing, saying that it delivered them from Egypt. I'm going to wipe the whole nation out, and I'm going to start over with you. Yeah. <laughs> Moses goes, God, listen, hold on a second. What would the other nations say? You know what I mean? What would Egypt say, that you just took us out of Egypt to wipe us out on your own? And, and what about the promises? This is something we need to think about. What about the promises? What about the promises you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So it reminds him of his character and the promises. And how many of you understand God keeps His promises, right? God always keeps His a consistent theme throughout the Bible is God keeping His promises. So it says the, that God relents His anger. Moses goes down from the mountain. Right, he's up there. He's got the Ten Commandments. He's got the the law. He's got the designs for the tabernacle. He comes down the mountain and he hears all singing and dancing. They're dancing and worshiping this golden calf. You know, we tell our kids all about the, the two tablets that Moses brings down with the Ten Commandments, right? Cool thing is God wrote those with his finger. And you know what Moses does when he gets down there? He breaks them. We never tell our kids that part of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, God had to write the Ten Commandments twice. Moses got ticked. He threw them down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Moses gets down there. He breaks the Ten Commandments and then t- uh, 3,000 men will die. And this is where the, the we're going to pick up back up in the Bible. Verse 30, we're going to look at it again. It says, the following day, Moses said to the people, you've committed a grave sin. Now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I'll be able to atone for the sin, uh, atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and he said, all these people have committed a grave sin, Lord. They've made a God of gold for themselves. Now, if you'll only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you've written. Now, there's a couple things to notice here, right? First is that Moses recognized that there is a sin, that sin is involved, right? Let me break down the word sin. Uh, this is really interesting. I like to nerd out, get into words a little bit. The word sin actually has no religious connotation at all. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. That's what it means. to miss The, the word sin means to miss the mark. It would actually be used to describe Israel's uh, Uh, people that use the sling. It said that they would not sin. They could not miss. They were that accurate. They could not miss the mark, right? So in order for there to be sin, in order for there to be a mark, there has to be somebody who sets the mark. Do we understand that? So we already understand that God set the mark. He gave them the Ten Commandments and they break the first two, one is they made another God. Two, they're worshiping another God. So not only did they make it, they, so they violated the mark. They've already missed the mark. And, and Moses realizes, listen, w- this has got to be dealt with. You know what I mean? This, this has to be handled. So he says, all right, perhaps I can atone for your sin, or I can be provide a covering. That's what atonement means, to pay for or to provide a covering. Now, here's what's interesting. What was required for atonement, especially for sin, was an unblemished animal. What does that mean? The animal had to be perfect. No mistakes, no flaws, no anything. Okay, so let's, let's think back. Moses is about to go up the animal, or up the animal, up the mountain, <laughs> It's the remix. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, He's about to go up the mountain, right? And he's going to go provide an atonement for for the nation of Israel. But what is required for an atonement is an animal. Is Moses going up the the mountain with an animal? Does it say that he's bringing an unblemished lamb, uh, a a goat, a, a bull? Usually it was a bull for the nation's sins. He's not taking any of that. So if I'm like Israel, like this is interesting to me. Right, You're like, okay, he's going to go pay for our sins, but what's he going to pay with? It's like showing up to the store without, or a restaurant without your wallet. I'm going to pay for your meal. How? I don't know. You know what I mean? So he shows up. He says, God, listen, we've sinned. We've sinned. And, and I'm asking you to forgive the nation of Israel. God, I'm asking you to forgive them. This is what's known as intercession. You, you know it's a consistent theme throughout the Bible? I, I was, I'm, I'm a huge Bible Project fan. Bible Project's an amazing app, and they're going through the book of Exodus. And one thing that I've seen when it comes to God's test is Israel will fail the test, but God continues to provide. They, they come to, they're, they're thirsty, they need water, they come to water that is bitter, it's undrinkable. And they complain and groan. That was them failing the test. And God still gives them drinkable water. But here's the key ingredient. There was an intercessor. Moses intercedes on behalf of Israel. So so, hold on to that. Because there's some tests in our life that we've failed that God still provided. There are some things that we've gone through in our life that we did not pass his test. Why does God test us? To see if we'll actually walk out our faith instead of just talk about it. You know what I mean? And even though we failed the test... God provides because somebody was willing to intercede. Moses gets up there. The nation of Israel has already failed. Like we're, we're like a page into the book after making a covenant and they've already failed. And Moses is up there praying on their behalf. God, will you forgive them? And did you see what he said? He says this, will you forgive them? If not, erase me from your book. Now, let, let me be clear about this. This book that he's talking about is not the one like, that we read about, in like Revelations and at the end. This is like a book with the names of, of his covenant people. So uh, listen, this is what he's offering. He's saying, God, please forgive the nation. And if you won't, take me as kind of the step in. Let me be the atonement. Remove me from your covenant. If that's what it takes for you to be in right relationship with this nation, with this large group of people, God, take me as the atonement. Take me as the payment. Remove me from your covenant people. How does God respond? It's in verse 33. He says, the Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Now go lead the people to the place I told you about. See my angel will go before you. But on that day or on the day that I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. Now this isn't like how we would envision the story going, right? We would be like, "Ah, yeah, God's going to take them. Woohoo!" No, not how it works. Moses got there, "God, please, if you if you'll forgive if you don't forgive them, just take me. If that's what it takes, take me." And God says, uh, I'm going to hold them accountable for their sin." What we do see is that God still forgives, and that needs to be a word for all of us, right? We serve the God who forgives. He's still forgiving, right? The the nation of Israel didn't do anything to to ask for their own personal atonement. God forgave them. How do we know? Because he said, I'm going to send my angel, and he's still going to lead you into the promised land. He's staying true to his promises. So there's two things to see. One, God forgives. Two, God keeps his promises, Oftentimes what happens in our life is we don't forgive ourselves. It's not that God is unforgiving or ungraceful or unmerciful. No, it's that we don't know his truth well enough to forgive ourselves and walk in the the path that he has for us. You mean or or the the other end of it is we lay down God's promises while he still holds true to them. God, you said that you were going to do this. Okay, I will on my time. You know what I mean? (laughs) We've talked about this. Anybody ever heard the saying, God's timing is perfect? Anybody? So why do we complain when it's not on our time? Because we complain because we imply that we're God in that moment. (laughs) You know what I mean? God keeps his promises. God is forgiving. And He, he forgives them. It just doesn't look the way that we would think it would look. Now, here's the question. God forgave them without the atonement, right? Without the atonement, without the covering. Here's the, the, the big question. Why wasn't Moses good enough to be the atonement, right? That was, that's what he said. I'm gonna go atone for your sins. I'm gonna go cover your sins. I'm gonna go pay for your sins. Why wasn't Moses good enough to, for the, the atonement? You remember what the requirement was? An unblemished animal. A perfect, it, it's not because Moses was an animal. Let me be clear. Moses wasn't good enough to be an atonement because he wasn't a lamb. Moses wasn't good enough to be the atonement because he wasn't unblemished. Moses couldn't die couldn't cover the sins of Israel because Moses had sinned in his life. You know what I mean, well when did he sin? Well, okay, anybody ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt? Okay, Prince of Egypt, in the movie Prince of Egypt, we love to show our kids this, but in the movie Prince of Egypt, there's a time where Moses kills an Egyptian because he sees one of his people being beaten, all of this and other stuff. Uh, that, in the movie, it makes it look like an accident. If you read the Bible, it says that he looked to the left to the right, made sure nobody was looking, and took the dude out. He's a hit man. You know what I mean? Moses straight up murdered this guy. Like, that's what the Bible says. It says he looked to the left, he looked to the right, and said, nobody's here. Bam, he gone. Right. But this is what we need to see. Moses couldn't cover the sins of the nation of Israel because Moses had sin in his life. We can't cover the sins of our own life because we have sin in our lives, people. I mean, you can't stand in the gap to cover the sins of anybody else. Because you're you've sinned. Can you see where we're kind of going with this message today? You see, like, if we're going to be completely honest, like, throughout time and history, this is the story of humanity. Right? We've seen God move in our lives. We've seen God deliver us. And we've even done the same thing that the Israelites have done. We, we may not have created a golden calf, but there are other things that we worship more than God here in our, in our nation, in our lives. I would propose one of the biggest golden calves in the, in the, in the nation of the United States is money. You know what I mean? Like, we worship money. We build our lives around money instead of God. What happens a lot of times is we worship here while God is still moving. God is still changing lives. God is still setting people free. It's like, I love God, but second to this. I, I heard a pastor say one time, as if God isn't the top priority on your list, he's not a priority at all. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> Just like, like, for real. God's... Uh, mm. God's not interested in being second in your life. No, he wants to be first. But it's like when he's first, he take care of, takes care of everything else. We were talking about this in a life group one time. It was, we were having a conversation about sin. And, and it, it kind of relates like in marriage too. A lot of the times the fights that we have in marriage are be, is because we're being selfish. If we're going to be completely honest, it's I want my way over your way. Right, I think my way protects me better than, it, than your way does. You know what I mean? And a lot of times when it comes to following God and we get put in tough situations, a lot of times the logical decision isn't the God decision. And we know that. It doesn't make sense. But if I choose this, then I'm choosing me. But if, if you choose God and God died for you and he blesses you and he protects you and he's with you, then are you not choosing you by choosing God? You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times, the logical may feel safe to you, but it's the God one that grows you and actually has more safety than the other. You know what I mean? So so, so throughout history, we're seeing humanity do the same thing that the Israelites have done. I, I, I don't know if you're like me. I like to read, like when you read the story of Exodus, you see how Israel responds. You're like, they're dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like think about it. Realistically, like how dumb do you, like... Forgive me, Lord. But, like, they made a golden calf while God's right there. Like, that's dumb. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm going to worship a God who set me free from, e- from Egypt while the God who set me free is visible. That is dumb. And, and I look at some of the stuff that we do, and I'm like, you know what? Realistically, we're no different than them. We're Israel in the story. Everybody turn they neighbor and say, but Jesus. Because what would happen is thousands of years later, there would be this guy that would come on the scene. He'd shake up the whole system. He'd come in and he would preach about this new kingdom. And when he'd talk about this new kingdom, the old religious leaders, they would get all ticked off. Right? He would gather with, he would do life with just 12 ordinary guys. These were outcasts. These were overlooked. Almost half of them were fishermen. That wasn't a desired trade at that time. Those were the overlooked guys. This is the guys that Jesus chose to do life with. He sat at the table with tax collectors and sinners. The, the low lives of society, that's who Jesus dined with. That's who he picked his feet up, put his feet up with. You know what I mean? That's the people that this guy came and lived life on the scene. He came and he healed people. He came and he loved the outcasts. He came and he spoke to storms. The dude came and walked on water. And after three years, he got arrested. For what? Well, what it came down to is he, came, he got arrested for saying who he was. Uh, The the story is interesting because it says that when they put him on trial, that none of their accounts could line up. You ever have kids try to tell you what happened and none of their stories are telling the truth? You know what I mean? That's what it was like when they tried to put Jesus on trial. Like this guy was saying this story, but it didn't line up with this story. And this one didn't line up with that one. And then it came down to the priest goes, so are you saying you're the son of God? He says, I am. He said his name. And they arrested him. from there, it says that they beat him. They flogged him. They spit on him. They mocked him, and then they put him on a cross. They hung him on a tree, right? You you know what's what's interesting? Sin started with a tree, but sin was defeated by one too. Sin started with a tree. It was defeated by one. Here's the crazy thing is they missed it. they, They missed it. The religious leaders thought he was some blasphemous dude going around speaking against what they were doing. I mean, he was not blasphemous, but he was preaching about this new kingdom that is real, that is here and now. Is how he would say it. It's the opposite of what it looks like. He would call it almost like the upside-down kingdom. The people that had experienced some of the goodness that was going around, they just thought he was some prophet. Somebody that was going around just speaking life, and then things were happening. Speaking into people, and they were being healed, laying hands on dead people, and they were coming back to life. And the truth is, is they really thought he was the Messiah. He just wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. You're like, well, what do you mean? They believed that the Messiah was going to set them free from oppression. And more specifically, oppression from Rome. And that's just not the case. Because the truth is is that Jesus did come to set us free from oppression, but what they thought is they thought it was nationwide. Listen, God doesn't care about what's going on out here. He died to set them free from the oppression of sin that was taking place in their hearts. And the same is true. God can take care of all of that, but what good is it if I focus there and my heart's a wreck? So he was the Messiah. He came to set them free but it would set them free from something that they were overlooking. It just wasn't what they thought. You know what I mean? Like Moses. Moses recognizes that they've sinned. What does he do? God, forgive him. But if you won't, take me. Come on. I had a guy ask me one time, he was a truck driver, and didn't get to go to church a whole bunch, but when he would stop, he would read his Bible and uh, he, he goes, Matt, like, I, I just don't get it. Why would God kill his son? I said, man, I don't, I don't know that I know how to answer that, except for to say that Jesus was just as on board with the plan as God was, because he stepped out of heaven and walked it out. What am I saying? Jesus recognized that sin is what separated humanity from God. And he's like, listen, it's time. i must step out. I'm going to do it. What does the Bible say that while we were enemies with God, he died for us sinners? You know what I mean? I've never been an enemy with God. Well, if we have sin in our life, yeah. If we've missed the mark. <laughs> yeah, worship team, you guys come up. Let me show you what 1 John says. 1 John chapter 2 says, my little children. I like how John does that. My little children. I think sometimes it's a reminder to us that maybe we're not as old in our faith as we think we are. For some of us, it's permission for us to be young in our faith and to start over. You know what I mean? My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Everybody say, we have an advocate. Say, we have a representative. He says, we have an advocate with the Father. Father. Right. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Look at this. It says he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only our sins, but for the for for those of the whole world. Listen, John is reminding them that Jesus came and he paid the price. Right. Oh, we, we all have a ledger. We all have a past. We've all made mistakes. Right. There's no one greater than the other. We all, I, I like what one pastor says. He says, the ground is level at the cross. You know what I mean? There was all, for all of us, there's something that came and separated us from God. He says, listen, I'm telling you this so you don't sin, so you don't miss the mark. But guess what? If you do, Jesus is standing in the gap. He's in front of God saying, listen, God, if, if they can't do it, take me. He says he was the atoning sacrifice. I love it because What we would think biblically, he's writing kind of to Jewish people, right? So he didn't just die for Israel church. He says, but for the whole world, for the whole world, he died for you. He died for me. Why? Because he was spotless, because he was unblemished, because he had never messed up. That's why Jesus could come in and be the atoning sacrifice for the sins of humanity, because he lived the life that we could not live. He came and died the death that we should have died, right? It should have, truth be told, it should have been us on the cross. And you want to know how bad the cross was? The Romans perfected it. It was the most embarrassing way to die in that time period. If you committed treason, you went to the cross. It was their way of trying to keep people committed to staying with the empire instead of turning against it. So what did they do? They embarrassed him up there. Can we get some keys? It's more spiritual that way. There it is. Jesus comes and he dies in our place come on is there anybody excited that your sins are covered today that your sins have been dealt with Is anybody excited that you were set free from that but here's the problem a lot of times when it comes to church all we do is we focus on that wooden thing right there can I tell you something it's going to be the greatest news you've ever heard it's not where the story ends it's not where the story ends Right. What do we know that three days later, Jesus rose from the grave three days later, two ladies go to see and take care of him when they get there. He's not there. Where is he seated at the right hand of the Father? What does that tell us? That Jesus just didn't cover and wipe away our sins. That Jesus came and defeated the thing that oppressed us. Jesus came and defeated sin. Jesus came and defeated death. And because he's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father, you are now a new creation with new life, a new future, and a new hope. That's what we celebrate today. The grave is empty. You are a new creation. You have new life. And you have new hope and on top of that you have the Holy Spirit in your life you have the presence of God inside of you come on you want to know how much God loved his people he wasn't just finished dying with them he continues to dwell with them dying on the cross wasn't the finish. he says I'm going to stay with you till the end yeah, what is it he told the disciples all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the holy spirit teaching them to obey all the commands that i've given you here's my favorite part and i will be with you always even till the end of the age Well, we sent the holy spirit and the holy spirit is with you even till the end of the age even till the end of the age so I, want to, I want to tell you the gospel something interesting about the term gospel um, the gospel just means good news but let me put it in, in context when nations would go to war whoever won would send back a messenger that messenger would have what was called the gospel well what was the good news what was the message of victory hey we defeated so and so We won. How many of you understand if the story about Jesus is known as the gospel, then it's a story of victory? So let me tell you that you have a story of victory to hold on to, but you also have a story of victory to share. And this is how the story goes. Starts in the beginning. The world's chaotic, and God brings order. that's what our God does. He brings order to chaos, but then he, he puts two people in this garden, and he gives them this command: "Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth." What does that mean? God's plan for humanity was to co-rule on the earth together. Was to do life with humanity. That's why he's been committed to humanity. That's why he died for humanity. Was that that was his plan for humanity to be alongside him? And they had one command: You need from anything you hear except for this one tree. is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Before, God was the one that determined what was good and what was evil. But man was deceived. And they ate from the tree. They ceased wanting to determine what is good and evil. That's why we are where we are. Is when humanity decides what's good and evil, it, we end up right where we are. We'll see that. After that deception and lying comes into the story, after that murder comes into the story God doesn't give up he chooses a family he chooses a man by the name of Abraham he says man through you I'm going to bless all nations through y'all catch that salvation was mentioned in Genesis 12 the plan was revealed in Genesis 12 through you I'm going to bless all nations from Abraham you get the nation of Israel and Israel messes up God's still with them He messes up, God's still with him. Mess up, God's still with him. And eventually Jesus comes on the scene at just the right time. He comes, he lives a perfect life. He lives the life that the nation of Israel was supposed to live. He blesses people the way that the nation of Israel was supposed to bless people. And he gets accused, spit on, beat, flogged and hung. Hung on a tree. Like I said earlier, it started with a tree, it ended with a tree. For most, they lost hope. I thought this was the guy. I thought he was the one. I mean, he did crazy things, did he not? Three days later, the grave is empty. Three days later, it was revealed that Jesus was who he says he was. this is what he says. If you believe in me, you'll have everlasting life. Here's what we need to understand. Everlasting life isn't something we look forward to. It's here and now and not yet. It's here and now and not yet. We live in a broken world, but you're not from the broken world when you say yes to Jesus. You're from an unshakable kingdom. And for some of us, we need to be reminded of that. That the world may look like this and people of the world may talk and say and do this, but I'm not supposed to look like them. I'm supposed to look different. Why? Because I'm not of this world. I'm from an unshakable kingdom and I represent a king who's never lost, a king who's never been defeated, a king who speaks and when he speaks mountains move and when he speaks people are healed and when he touches things, things move and represent everything that, that we see kind of in the Garden of Eden. I think God is restoring everything back to the garden, taking it all the way back to the beginning. So here's, here's how it works. If, you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm asking our ministry team to come up. I'll be up here in the front. Today's the day. Why is saying yes to Jesus matter? Because just like Moses couldn't die to cover his sin, we can't die or be good enough to cover ours. We can't. But the beauty of the gospel and the new covenant is that your salvation is not dependent on what you do, it's dependent on what he already did. And when you're saying yes to him, that's what you're saying is, I believe Jesus is the son of God. Jesus died for the sins of all humanity, my sins included, but I believe that the grave did not hold him and that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. For everybody else that's maybe said yes to Jesus, maybe it's time we remind ourselves that we represent an unshakable kingdom and that we can be thankful that it was Jesus that stood in the gap. I'll close with this story. This is... um, Pastor, maybe you've heard of Pastor Robert Morris. Pastor Robert Morris is one of the most generous people I've ever heard of in my life. He's a senior pastor of a mega church down in Gateway uh, in the DFW area. And what I've learned about Pastor Robert is Pastor Robert has given, a, given away houses, like no strings attached, given away houses, given away cars. He's given away his retirement a couple times. For many of us, those are security blankets. And one day a lady walked up to his wife and said, hey, why? This is crazy. you giving away this, giving away that. Why? why does Robert do that? Why does he give this stuff away? She goes, well, it's easy. Because for him, he just never got over being saved. Church, have we gotten over the empty grave? Is it something that we only remember one time a year? Or is it something that we live from? Listen, this is not a one-time event. This is the starting line to a life of life, hope, and faith. Have we gotten over being saved? I'm going ask you guys to stand up with me. Super thankful for this morning. I think it's cool we got a packed house. It's not what it's about. I'm super thankful that we get to come together and remind ourselves that it's about Jesus in the empty grave. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for families being together this morning. God, I thank you for the reminder of joy, hope, and faith. God, I thank you that the Christian story is not a a list of to-dos, but a story of victory. God, and I pray for boldness. God, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, I, I pray for the boldness to say yes. I know it can be scary. It's the greatest decision I've ever made. But God, for us that have walked with you, I pray that you would rekindle the flame inside of us to remind us that we live for something greater than ourselves we too have a story to share it's in your name we pray and everybody say hey that's the message i hope it encouraged you i hope it inspired you i hope that you know that god has a plan for your life in fact if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live go follow us on facebook or youtube by searching the river in panhandle texas have an amazing week